year was 1907, there were only 45 states in our union, and Oklahoma wasn't yet one of them. As the railroads made tracks into this area, settlers from all over the nation relocated to these lands, looking for a fresh start and new beginnings. The little town of Owasso was one of those places where people came seeking a new vision for their future. In the spring of 1907, Owasso boasted a robust population of 379 residents. In addition to the dozens of homes that were here, Owasso had a schoolhouse, a blacksmith shop, a post office, a small train depot, and a general store. And it was in that general store, on the corner of Broadway and Birch, that God started a movement that would impact this community for the next 115 years with no indication of stopping. A multiple day revival took place in that little store. And as a result, a Christian church was born. The original church was made of 10 members, three men and six women, plus their minister. These individuals believed that their community needed a strong church that would navigate people to Jesus. In the midst of economic uncertainty and societal changes, this newly formed church family knew God had big dreams for their corner of the world. They started meeting in a local Indian schoolhouse, but by the next year, they took a step of faith and sacrificially pulled their resources together to construct the church's first building across the street. And the faith of those 10 followers of Jesus started a church that would impact thousands and thousands of lives for over a century. For the past 115 years, God has used First Church to carry out His mission in incredible ways, all because those 10 individuals were willing to seek God's vision for their community and go where He was leading them. First Church has continued to grow and our mission has not stopped. Since 1907, we've changed buildings four times, and with each of these moves came its own stresses and issues. But we knew God didn't want us to become complacent. God didn't want us to settle for the status quo. God didn't want us to shift into neutral. He placed us here to impact our generation for the sake of His Son, and no hurdle we faced was too big for Him to clear. We believe God has much more in store for First Church. We're convinced God has placed us here in Owasso, Oklahoma at this point in history for just this very moment. God has placed us here not to waste our time, but to redeem the time. Because when the world is at its worst, it needs the church at its best. At First Church, it's our mission to love Jesus and to love like Jesus. And that's been our mission since long before COVID became a household name. But we've never had a greater opportunity to unleash God's love and to navigate people to Him than what we have right now. There's so much at stake for Owasso and our surrounding communities. Jesus says in Matthew 16 that all the powers of hell will not prevail against the mission of His church. If we really believe we're here for such a time as this, we can't shift into neutral. We can't just maintain the status quo. We know God is giving us an opportunity to impact this generation in a way like we've never had before. And that's why the leadership of First Church has committed the next two years to a bold and mission-driven initiative that we're calling Unstoppable. Over the next two years, we have two goals that we believe God is going to empower us to achieve together. Our first and primary goal is 100% engagement because we want everyone who calls First Church home to look at their lives and see what it would look like if they were fully engaged in the mission of God. 
We want to challenge our church to be fully engaged in all areas of discipleship, such as worship, service, Bible study, prayer, and even giving. And we believe that when our church is fully engaged, God will use us like never before. This has always been our expectation, but this next season, this unstoppable season, will allow for our church to be challenged in the area of engagement in a very tangible way. Because we believe our secondary goal, which we're calling mission advancement, will happen as a result of us accomplishing our first goal, increased engagement. See, the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, that whoever sows generously will reap generously. God's Word clearly teaches that He uses His people to resource His mission. And we believe that when we reflect Christ-like generosity, God will use our church to advance His mission in three primary areas. First, we want to stay engaged in our current ministry context. Right now, our general budget allows us to do the ministry that we see happening on a daily basis. Week in and week out, we see lives being changed, marriages being restored, children coming to hear about the love of God, addicts finding recovery, and the list goes on and on. And we don't want any of that to change. Our general budget is anything but general. God is using it in extraordinary ways. And over the next two years, we want Him to keep using it in order to advance His kingdom. Well, when I think of the unstoppable initiative and how it will challenge us to take our giving to the next level because you see the church in action and it's very fulfilling to be able to see that and I think each one of us needs to really challenge ourselves in trying to meet that need. Second, we seek to have an unstoppable reach in the areas of global and domestic mission work. See, we believe in helping those in the most difficult of situations. And we want everybody to come to know Jesus as Lord. And so that's why we support local mission partners such as John 316 Mission, Neighbors in Need, and the Pregnancy Resource Center. And we want to keep doing that as well as expand our reach locally so that we can love like Jesus to those around us. But we also have global mission partners that we continue to support. Right now we're supporting missionaries in Honduras and Thailand and Mexico as well as other countries. We want to continue to look for more opportunities to tell people about the good news of Jesus across this globe. Because we believe that Jesus' mission is a global one. And we want to make sure that we are reaching people in an unstoppable way for Him. Third and finally, we seek to be an unstoppable movement for our God. Over the past 115 years, God has continued to expand our missional work throughout Owasso and the surrounding communities. And that has only increased over the past year and a half. In spite of a global pandemic and everything else we've experienced in our culture recently, we as a church have continued to reach more and more people with the hope of Christ. Through our online and in-person services, we've almost doubled our worship attendance over the past year. We're having more baptisms this year than in 2020, 2019, or 2018. Our next-gen ministry is exploding in all areas, including early childhood, elementary, and students. And when it comes to giving, we've not only hit our budget over the past year, we've exceeded it. All of this is because God's gracious hand has been upon us. And we don't believe that God is finished with us just yet. 
Right now, our First Kids ministry is booming. We're having as many kids on a weekly basis right now as we did for Easter a year ago. Every week, we have more and more new families attending our church, bringing their elementary kids to hear about Jesus. And the space where our kids currently meet wasn't designed to house the number of kids and volunteers we're currently experiencing. We firmly believe that our next ministry step as a church is a permanent home for our first kids ministry, our elementary ministry. We believe a new elementary building will be a God-given tool and resource to help us navigate the next generation to God. This facility will allow us to have state-of-the-art and enhanced environments for our children, as well as provide a more safe and secure area for them. This addition will also help with our traffic flow and provide space for more next-gen opportunities. Plus, it will provide a much-needed area for our special needs students. Our children and students are both the present and the future of our church, and we've committed to reaching them in the safest and best possible way. I am so excited about the Unstoppable Initiative because bringing Cora and Jude to First Church week after week, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, is growing the love for Jesus in their heart. And so this Unstoppable Initiative allows us to provide this amazing pathway for our kids to know Jesus, to know His Word. We are so excited to be a part of this. In 2020, when the world hit pause, First Church hit play. We believe God is ready to move in a mighty way among us, and we want you to experience that with us. First Church, God isn't done with us yet. He's just getting started, and we invite you to join us on this journey, for this is our moment to show the world, to show our community the unstoppable work and mission of our God. God isn't finished with us. He is just getting started. I don't know about you guys, but I am on fire. I am pumped. I am excited about what's going to start today because we believe today is a pivotal, defining moment in the life of our church. And I'm so glad that you're here today to join us on this journey with God together. And if you're online, we're happy that you're joining us as well today. We're glad that you're here. If you're new today and you're thinking, man, I don't know what's going on, that's okay. We're glad you're here as well because you get a front row seat to see what God is doing right now in this place. And I think what you will discover is that we are a church that doesn't hit pause but hits play. We're not a church that plays it safe, but we're a church that lives by faith. And there's a reason why we do, because we believe Jesus' promise, which is found in Matthew chapter 16, when he says that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. First church belongs to him, and as long as he is breathing life into us, Nothing will be able to stop us from carrying out his mission. And that's why we're calling this new season, this new initiative, Unstoppable, because we believe there is great work that God wants us to accomplish, God wants us to do. And I believe what's going to happen here over the next six weeks won't just shape the next two years for our church, but it will shape the future of our church for generations to come for, for decades. And we believe this season is so important that we have our team has prepared a 
guidebook for you guys to follow along with us over the next six weeks. So I have volunteers right now ready to pass out these fancy guidebooks. If you guys want to go ahead and pass them out. And I told Casey, who's our guest services director, to have a race to see who, which section can win, okay? So keep track of who finishes first, all right? But these are really awesome books that our team worked very hard to prepare for you guys. And this is a gift that you guys can take with you and bring back with you every single Sunday during this series. There are small group guides in here. There's a place for sermon notes. There's a letter from me and a picture of my family, which is way too big. But anyway, you can skip over that. But there's a history timeline. And there's all sorts of good stuff as well as all the information that we just mentioned uh, in the video just a second ago in greater detail. We're going to talk about that more over the next few weeks as well. But if you're watching online right now, we don't want you to feel left out because you might be watching from home or somewhere else and you're thinking, I can't get one of these books. That's okay. We still want you to be engaged as well. If you go to our new Unstoppable website right now, firstchurchok.com forward slash unstoppable, if you go to the resource tab, you can download a digital copy of this book and you can follow right along today. You can know everything that we're talking about. Get all the information right now today. But if you also want a physical copy of this book, we want to provide one for you as as well. And so if you go to that same website or if you go to the little icon on our on our app or if you text book to this number right here that's on the screen then we will send you a link where you can sign up give us your contact information and we will send every member of your household one of these guidebooks and if you saw all those cool unstoppable t-shirts on stage just a minute ago if you want one of those we pass them out on vision night if you sign up um, on our website or if you text book there's a place where you can put down all of your family members t-shirt size and we would love to send you a t-shirt now if you're here in person and you weren't here on vision night you're probably thinking can I get a t-shirt too absolutely this is like an Oprah giveaway today okay so you get a book and you get a t-shirt and you get a book and you get a t-shirt if you will stop by our new unstoppable zone which is directly out in our foyer we have t-shirts of different colors different sizes for everyone. So if you didn't get one on Vision Night, make sure today you stop by and pick one up. And so if you would, now that you have your guidebooks, which section one? Did anybody pay attention? I, I stopped. I was talking to the online folks. By the way, let's welcome in our online family. Can you put your hands together? Welcome them in. Glad to have you guys. Awesome. Well, it doesn't really matter what section one because there's no extra prize. So that's all right. So if you would, if you will open up your book, just in the inside cover there, there's a place there that says, this guide belongs to, go ahead and write your name in there, own it, this is your book, and bring this back with you over the next six weeks. And then if you will flip over to page 24, you'll see that's the start of our sermon series notes as well as our small group studies. If you'll flip over one more page, that's week one of our Unstoppable series. It's a place for you to take notes. And our, our sermon today is entitled, unstoppable mission God's unstoppable mission so you guys ready to get started hey I don't believe that you guys ready to get started all right okay well let's go and let's go ahead and pick up with the message today all right well the other day somebody shared with me this viral video clip you may have seen this of this older couple dancing on the dance floor now what you need to know is he is 94 years old and she is 91 years old 
And I remember I showed this to our staff, some of our staff this week, and the first response that someone said was, wow, that is impressive. And take a look at their moves. I mean, they really are impressive. They really are incredible. I mean, I can't dance like that now. Um, I've never been able to dance like that. And even with, yeah, even with a bunch of practice, I don't think I could dance like that. That really is impressive. And it's not just impressive because they can do those moves, but it's impressive that they can do this at their age, 94 to 91 years old. Because you guys know this. You guys know that the older you get, there comes a point in life when you don't have the same energy that you used to have. You don't have the same strength you used to have. Your health isn't what it used to be. I don't think that's offensive to anybody. It's just part of life, right? Take a look at this lady right here. Her name is uh, Thelma, and she is the oldest woman in America right now. She is 115 years old. And she's been interviewed multiple different times. Thelma Sutcliffe is her name. And she's been interviewed multiple different times. And what she will say over and over again is, I can't see very well anymore, my hearing is going, I don't get around like I used to, but at my age, I just don't worry about it. There's nothing I can do about it. And you know what? She's right, because she understands there gets a point in life when you just don't have the energy you used to have. You don't have the strength you used to have. You don't have the health that you used to have. And even though we know that's true when it comes to our physical bodies, the Bible teaches that was never supposed to be the case for the body of Christ, for the church. You see, a church can continue to grow and gain strength and momentum year after year after year for an undetermined amount of time if the church allows for Jesus to continue to breathe life into it. Because here's the thing, even though God intended his church to continue to grow and prosper, it doesn't happen automatically, and it doesn't happen by accident. First Church, we've been around for a long time. This next year, spring of 2022, will be our 115th year anniversary as a church. So we will have something in common with Thelma, okay? We will both be 115 years old. And here's the thing. I can stand here today confidently and say that our church right now at this very moment is as healthy, as strong, as vibrant as we have ever been. And don't take my word for it. We've seen evidence of this over the past 18 months or so. This year in 20. 21, we have had more baptisms so far, the year isn't finished yet, than in the single years of 2018, 19, or 20. We could probably go back further than that, but we just did the past three years. We looked at our stats. Not only that, our, we've had over 200 first-time families worship with us over the past 18 months. And those are the ones who have registered and let us know that they've worshiped with us. We've probably had a lot more than that. Our worship attendance, our worship attendance has increased by over 60% since the pandemic started. How amazing is that? 
Our next-gen ministry, it is exploding right now in all age groups, from the little, little ones to the kids to the students. Our next-gen ministry is absolutely exploding. Our offerings have not only met our budgeted needs since the pandemic began, we have exceeded our budgeted needs because of your guys' generosity. But the list goes on. Our online campus, which we started as a result of the pandemic, it is booming right now. Hundreds of people are worshiping with us online right now from all over the country, from all over the globe. And we're so glad that you guys are part of our church family. But not only that, we have continued to expand our local and global mission reach, continuing to minister to the least of these, continuing to minister to those who are in the most desperate of situations who need to know about the love of Jesus. But here's the thing. That doesn't happen by accident. And honestly, this isn't very typical. Because when you look at churches around the country right now, a lot of them are not growing. A lot of them are struggling. And it's also not typical for a church our age. Because you see, the studies will show us that of churches that are 50 years old or older, 80% of them are either dying or they've plateaued in their growth. Churches that are 50 years old or older, 80% of them are dying or they've plateaued in their growth. It is rare to see a church our age that is continuing to grow like we've been growing. But see, I think there's a reason for that. And the reason is because we believe in this promise that when Jesus is building his church, the gates of hell shall not be able to prevail against it. Because guys, we are part of something bigger than ourselves, and we can never lose sight of that. See, our church itself, we're part of something locally that's bigger than any one of us. Our church began 115 years ago. I don't think anybody listening to this message right now was around when our church was born, when our church began. If you were around, we need to turn your name in because you're going to beat Thelma out for being the oldest person alive, okay, in America. But none of us were alive back then, and yet we're a part of something that's been going on for over a century, and we want to continue for our ministry to impact lives way beyond us until Jesus comes back. But also, we're part of something globally that is bigger than any one of us. The global church that's existed now for 2,000 years. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his followers this commission. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave us this commission. And yet for 2,000 years, our enemy, Satan, has tried everything he possibly can to stop us from carrying out this mission. He's used persecution and pressure, politics, even pandemics to try to stop the mission of God's church. And after 2,000 years of Satan throwing everything he has at us, the church continues to impact lives across the globe. And there's a reason for that. Because Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. See, that's a boss statement. Jesus is saying, I hold the cosmos in my hands. And when you let me breathe life into your church, nothing, nothing will be able to stop the mission that I am giving you. 
See, Jesus' church isn't empowered by our own strength. The church isn't empowered by the strength of its people, by our talents and our abilities, but it's empowered by the presence of God's Spirit living in us. And when we let Jesus lead, all the powers of hell won't be able to stand against us. And so therefore, as I look at our culture today, I'm not afraid, and I'm not even worried. Am I concerned about the condition of our culture? Yeah. Does it break my heart to see what I see on the news sometimes? Absolutely. But I'm not afraid, and I'm not, I'm not worried, because I know who's with us, and the one who is with us is greater than the one who is in this world. And we have the confidence of knowing this is our moment. We are here, church, for this very reason. We are here to redeem the time that we are living in. And when you look back at the early church, the first church, the first generation of the church, which we see in the book of Acts, they believe that as well. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at the first history of the church that we have found in the Bible, and it's called the book of Acts. If you don't know where that is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts in our New Testament. And Acts, like I said, is an inspired account of the history of the first church, and God inspired this man named Luke. Luke was a medical doctor to record the history of his people in its first few years. And here's the thing, Luke, as he writes this letter, or writes this, uh, writes this book, it's actually a letter that he's writing to a guy named the- Theophilus. And look at what Luke says here. He says, in my former book, Theophilus. Now, if you're not familiar with Acts, you might be a little bit confused because Luke says, in my former book. So this is Luke's second book to this guy named Theophilus. What's his first book? Well, it's the Gospel of Luke. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John tell about the life of Jesus. So Luke, he writes one book about the ministry of Jesus from the time of his birth to the time of his death, burial, resurrection, then ascension into heaven. And then he writes a second book about the work of the church, the work of Jesus' people. And he writes this to this guy named Theophilus. We don't know exactly who this guy is, but he's probably a wealthy man. We believe that he's probably like a Roman official. And probably the reason why Luke is writing to him is so that he can get these works published and sent out throughout the world. But whatever the reason is, I want you to notice what Luke says next, because I think this is one of the most important statements in the book of Acts that we've missed. Are you ready? It's in verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, if you're somebody who underlines or highlights in your Bible, go ahead and underline, highlight, circle, whatever that word began. Because what is Luke telling us here? Luke is saying, I wrote you a book about Jesus' life and earthly ministry up until the point that he ascended into heaven, and now you know what I'm writing to you? The rest of the story. See, what Luke here is telling us is that the story of Jesus isn't finished yet and you might be thinking what do you mean i thought jesus said on the cross it is finished yes jesus work on the cross is finished but his work in this world has just begun and what luke is trying to get us to understand is that we need now to know about the rest of the story see what jesus death made possible is now available to the world and jesus wants to empower us to take him to the rest of the world that's why jesus tells his early followers you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth in other words you're going to represent me 
You're going to go out to the very ends of the earth and you're going to represent me. And here's the thing. Jesus doesn't say, you're going to go out and you're going to try to do this. Jesus doesn't act like this is an impossibility. He says, you're going to do it. You know why you're going to do it? Because I am with you and I am on your side and I'm going to empower you to do this. And so what we need to understand is according to Jesus, according to Luke, you have not heard the full story of Jesus, the whole story of Jesus, until you realize what Jesus is doing in his church. And that's something that a lot of people miss in our culture today. Because I have people all the time come to me and say, Chad, you know, tell me about Jesus. But I don't want to know about his church. I don't like the church. Just tell me about Jesus. Well, I get it that we start with the life of Jesus, but if you don't know what Jesus wants to do through his church, then you only have half the story. You don't know the full story of Jesus' mission to rescue and save this world. The first church, they understood that they were part of God's plan to save the world. They were essential to it. And because they got that, Paul is able to write 30 years after the church began, just 30 years, three decades after the church began, that all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. All over the world, the known world at that time, the gospel was spreading, bearing fruit. And here's the thing, it wasn't easy. These Christians took the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere and they were persecuted for it. They were arrested, they were thrown in prison, they were beaten, they were flogged, they were killed, they lost their homes, they lost their jobs, they lost their families. Why did they risk their lives to take the gospel out into the world? Well, it wasn't to go tell people about a dead guy. They did it because they knew Jesus is alive. They knew the tomb was empty, and that's a game changer. And if Jesus defeated death, then that meant that his triumph was for the entire world. You see, history isn't moving in a bunch of meaningless circles. What we need to let the world know is that history is headed in a very definite direction, to a definite destination, and that is the triumph of Jesus Christ. And today, we can join in his triumph. Today, we can know that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, it's not the end of the story because the tomb is empty. And I believe that Jesus has placed us here at this point in history to have a specific role in his story. If you don't believe me, turn on over right now. Skip on over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 29. Go ahead and do that. Skip on over to Acts chapter 29, whether it's on your phone or app or whether you have a physical Bible in front of you. Skip over to Acts chapter 29. Okay. You guys found a problem yet? Anybody? There's not an Acts chapter 29, okay? Gotcha, all right? But when you read the end of chapter 28, you kind of feel like there needs to be. Because look how chapter 28 ends. The last verse in 28 is talking about how Paul is in prison under house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial by Caesar, and it says, he, Paul, proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And then that's it. Well, what happens to Paul? Does he go to trial before Caesar? Is he martyred? Is he killed? Well, I mean, what happens to Paul? What happens to the rest of the church? What happens to the rest of the, the apostles? We're not told. We're just kind of left hanging. Why does Luke end the first ever history of God's church so abruptly? Because the story of Jesus isn't finished. He left it open-ended because now we're next. We're up next. And I love how he ends this book. He, he ends it with 
one word actually. In the NIV, they translate it two words, but it's one Greek word without hindrance, and it literally means unhindered, unrestrained, unstoppable. In other words, Paul is in chains and he's under house arrest in Rome, but the gospel is unstoppable. The church is continuing to spread. So that no matter what we face in this world, no matter what opposition we're up against, no matter what risk we have to take, when we put our faith in Jesus, his work will continue. He is unstoppable. And so, guys, we are the next chapter in the story of Jesus. And what are we going to do with our chapter? Because you ever read a book, and you get to this one chapter, and the book's been pretty good, but you get to this, chap- this one chapter... And it's kind of blah, it's kind of boring, and you can't wait to move on because hopefully the next chapter is going to be better. Is that going to be us in our generation? Because there'll be a chapter after us. I don't know what that one will be, but there will be a chapter after us. But what about our chapter? What are we going to do with it? Years ago, Francis Chan used an illustration to talk about how Christians in our culture often live. And he used the illustration of a balance beam. And I was reminded of this when I was watching the Olympics this past summer in Tokyo. And I saw, you know, Olympic athletes like Suni Lee get on a balance beam and do incredible stuff. She ended up winning the all-around gold medal, and she was just absolutely phenomenal. And as I watched her do this, you know, I thought, you know, she makes it look pretty easy, but it's not. It takes years of preparation and hard work. It's difficult, to get up on a balance beam like this and do what they do. And that's right, I'm gonna try it this morning, okay? Are you ready? I tried this for the first time early, early this morning because that's the first week you get this balance beam. And let me tell you something, I'm scared to death right now, okay? This is a lot harder than it looks. I have a newfound respect for, for gymnasts. But I think sometimes this is how we live life. We get up on the path that God wants us to take and it's unknown a little bit scary but Jesus is at the end and he's saying hey just take a step closer to me you'll be okay I can't look at you guys just take a step closer to me okay (laughs) Woo. okay I'm also scared of heights too so you know how much I love Jesus to do this okay here we go Uh, but just take a step closer to me and so we do and we take a step Whoa, closer, whoa, here we go. Okay, closer to him. But you know, it's a little shaky at times, and we get nervous. And so we start to take our eyes off of Jesus, and instead of focusing on him, we start to get down lower. And we focus on the beam. We start to hang on tight because life's shaky. And then we get down really, really close, and we just kind of do this. Because this is a lot safer. (laughs) And so Jesus is like, what are you doing? You're not moving anymore. Come on. And we're like, we're good. We're good. And this is great. This is good. And we start praying these really like safe prayers. And we say, you know, God, just keep me comfortable and keep my family comfortable. And we know you call for us a sacrifice. But if the biggest sacrifice is having to wake up on Sunday morning and go to church, that's fine by me. I mean, I just want to play it safe, God. And then we start praying praying even more safe prayers like, Oh, God, just help me to die in my sleep comfortably, you know, and just wake up in the morning, and I'll be in your presence. And Jesus looks at us, and he's scratching his head, and he's like, 
is that what I died for you to do? Play it safe. Did you forget who I am? Did you forget who's with you? Did you forget who's empowering you? Guys, if Sunni Lee got up here and did that, how would the judge score her? <laughs> Be a lot of waste of preparation and energy, wouldn't it? And what about you? What would happen if we really had the courage to live like Jesus is calling us to live? See, in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus sends into heaven, the disciples are left staring up into the skies, into the heavens. They're just staring there because he ascends into heaven. They're just lo looking. And all of a sudden, a couple angels appear, and they say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Now, come on, angels, give them a break here. You know, they've seen Jesus do a lot of cool stuff, like walk on water and feed 5,000. They've never seen him fly before. You know, they've never seen him levitate or anything. So give them a break. But why do the angels show up and say, Why are you just standing here? Because Jesus had given his disciples a job to do. And they weren't supposed to wait around staring into the sky for him to come back. He is coming back in the meantime. He planned on working through them. And so the disciples, they listen and they go and they do what Jesus told them to do. They go into Jerusalem and they wait. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends upon them and empowers them. And they stand up and they tell the thousands of people that are gathered there for the day of Pentecost about who Jesus is. And as this crowd listens to this testimony about Jesus, they're cut to the heart. Because some of those very people were the same people in Jerusalem 40 days before that, shouting out, crucify him about Jesus. And so they're cut to the heart. And the people say to the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And all of human history hinges, hangs on that question because if Peter says, there's nothing you can do, you've blown it, then we're all in trouble. But that's not what Peter says. Peter says, repent, change, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, change, and enter into this new life through baptism with Jesus, and you will receive, one, the forgiveness of your sins, but also God's Spirit will come and dwell within you. And on that day, 3,000 people were baptized into Christ. And you know what? Of those 3,000 people that were baptized, none of them said, I don't think I need to. I'm good. God and me, we're good. We've already worked it out. I'm not going to do what Peter says. They all did it because they were focused on Jesus and they were going to do whatever Jesus wanted them to do. And so what happened? Well, what happened was exactly what Jesus predicted would happen. The gospel goes out to the whole world. And here's the thing, it's still happening. The story of Jesus is still being told today. Did you know that in Seoul, Korea, at the turn of the last century, 1900, there were zero Christian churches in that city, capital of South Korea. Today, there are over 7,000 churches in Seoul, Korea. Did you know that in Sub-Sahara Africa, at the turn of the last century, 1900, the population was about 9% Christian. Today, the population is 63% Christian. 
Do you realize that in Indonesia, yeah, you can clap for that, but I got more. Do you realize that, it, that in Indonesia, which has the world's largest Muslim population, that right now in that country, 15% of their population is Christian, and the government has stopped reporting the stats because they're mad that so many people are coming to know Jesus. More people, I mean, sorry, more Muslims have come to know Jesus in the past 25 years than all of Christian missionary history. In the country of China right now, there are more people who are members of the underground church than there are members of the communist party all over the globe. The message of Jesus Christ is going out and it is estimated that today 150,000 people a day across the globe are coming to know Jesus as Lord. How awesome is that? You know why? Because Jesus isn't finished with his church yet. The story isn't finished and Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So that's why we're launching this unstoppable season here. Because Jesus wants us to carry out his mission in our little corner of the world. So we've got two goals for this next season. Primary goal is 100% engagement. We want everybody engaged in the mission of Jesus. Our secondary goal is what we're calling mission advancement. And you saw this earlier in the video. There are three components to our missionary advancement. One is our unstoppable engagement. All this stuff is in that little booklet that we gave you earlier, the guidebook. Right now, our current uh, general budget, what we've typically called in the past, is half of that per year, okay? So it's a two-year initiative, two years, $4.7 million. We want to keep doing what we're doing. But then also, we want to give an additional 600000 over the next two years. It's 300000 per year. 600000 dedicated just for outreach and mission work, global and domestic mission work. But then we want to add an even bigger goal than that. We want to add to that $6 million over the next two years, $3 million per year, that we will use to build a new children's wing, first kids wing, here on our campus, as well as do some other things like a new entrance and and some other needed things that need to take place, but mainly to build this new children's wing, which, by the way, will have a designated special needs area, which we're real excited about. All of this is a goal of $11.3 million over the next two years, $5.6 million annually. And if you look here at this next little video, you'll see that this is where we're going to be placing our, right, right over here in this parking lot will be where our new First Kids building will, will be. And it's not just that we're not about building buildings. We're about the mission of Jesus. And this unstoppable campaign is not about building a building. It's about carrying out the mission of Jesus. And this new building, which will go in this parking lot, is just our next ministry step. There will be other ministry steps we will take beyond this. Maybe not as big and as, as expensive as this one, but still, there will be other ministry steps we will take. This is just our next ministry step. And here's the thing. God has put us in a position right now in the midst of a global pandemic to be able to do this. Now, I know that when people look at this and they see 11.3 million over two years, 
They're thinking, man, that's a, that's a big number because here's what we're doing. We're not going to do a separate building fund. That's how we've done in the past. We're not doing that this year because we don't believe that the building should be separate from what we're currently doing or our mission outreach. We don't think that we should prioritize these. We don't want you to write two checks or anything like that. We believe this is all the mission of Jesus. So this is going to be our one fund that we have. We're calling it our unstoppable fund, and we're asking for $5.6 million a year and over two years, $11.3 million. And what we want for you guys to do is just look at your current giving. See how God has blessed you. See if that giving reflects what God has done for you and see if you can expand your giving in any way. So if you give right now, weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever, keep doing that, but just expand upon in a way where we can reach this goal. And if you're somebody who's never given to our church, you can be part of Unstoppable as well because it's all one fund. We're not asking you to come in and write two different checks or anything. Anything you give, it's all, it all going to go to Unstoppable. It's all going to add up to this. And I know that when people look at this, they say, Man, that's, that's a huge number, 11.3 million over two years. And it is a big number. But let me ask you to do something. Don't focus on the number. Focus on God. Because that number isn't too big for him. And we've done all of the studies and due diligence to see about a congregation like ours. And here's the thing. If everybody is 100% engaged, that's why our first and primary goal is 100% engagement. If everybody in our church is 100% engaged, we will blow that number out of the water. We can do it. The question is, are we going to hug the beam? Or are we going to move and take a step in the direction that God wants us to take? Because I hear people all the time say, you know, we need to try to save our country. We need to do something to help our country. Guys, if you want to change our nation, if you want to change our state, if you want to change our community, it starts with investing in the next generation. And right now, Barna's study just came out and said, that the next generation, the Gen Zers, which now the top of that age group is age 23, the millennials like me, we're not the next generation anymore. We're old now. It's now Gen Z that's moving up to be the next generation. Adult Gen Zers, they polled them during 2020, and 72% of Gen Zers believe that the church has the hope that the world needs. It's a higher percentage than generations that have come before them. And 78% of Christian next gen, uh, of Christian Gen Zers, 78% of them want to share their faith with others and are eager to do so. They're more evangelistic than the, than the previous generations that have come before them. Guys, God is doing something right now in our country. He is awakening our nation right now. And we need to be the church that our culture needs right now in Jesus' name. And so... It's a big goal, but it's not too big for our God. And we believe that this will be a great resource in order to carry out God's mission in this area and beyond. So here's the thing. Unstoppable is not about a building. It's about our mission. And my question to you as we launch this series today is this. How's our chapter of Jesus' story going to end? Are we going to be one of those boring chapters that people want to get past to see if something more exciting happens later? Are we going to step up to the plate and live by faith and realize that God has placed us at this point in history, at this moment, in order to show the world who our unstoppable God is? I'm excited to go on this journey with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today and this moment. We've had to open up your word and study it. And Father, we just pray that we will be an unstoppable force for you. And so, as we leave here today, Father, I just pray that we will pray about this next season and we will consider what you are asking us to do 
so that when we get to the point where we're ready to make a commitment, that we will make a commitment that honors you and that invests in our community and the next generation. Father, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.